A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. At least since St. Bonaventure, we know of fathers of the church not only meditating upon but writing about the seven last words of our Lord on the cross. St. Robert Bellarmine as well. They spoke of our Lord preaching from the cross, we being his congregation. And all of his works, all of his teaching, all of his miracles culminating in those hours on the cross. Sinners were converted. His mother was honored. Sins were forgiven. The gospel was proclaimed. And all that had preceded, all that was waiting to be fulfilled, was consummated. In the 1700s, the Jesuit Alphonsus Messia, active in Peru, promoted the practice of spending three hours from 12 to 3 in prayer, in silence, in meditation. And in 1815, Pope Pius VII granted a plenary and perpetual indulgence to those who do so. Complementary, slightly different spiritual practices, the seven last words and the three hours, they naturally go hand in hand. Our Lord was condemned at the third hour when St. Mark speaks of his crucifixion really beginning. He was nailed to the cross at the sixth hour, meaning at 12 noon, to which he was affixed until the ninth hour, or three in the afternoon. And the church inherited prayers which would have been memorized by the faithful 2,000 years ago, the seven penitential psalms of King David, his lamentations and repentance for his sins against Bathsheba and Uriah and his other sins. The seven penitential psalms form a ladder with successive virtues being embraced, fear of punishment, sorrow for sin, hope of grace, more fear, followed by hope, love of purity, the reception of mercy, the longing for heaven, distrust in our own strength, confidence only in divine mercy, and finally in joy, 
Psalm 6 and 31, 37, 50, 101, 129, 142. Depending on the numbering, only Psalm 6 is Psalm 6 in every Old Testament. The others might be numbered by another digit. These psalms come to us, and for almost a thousand years, the popes have been encouraging us to make them our Lenten practice. Pope Innocent III decreed that they be prayed on each day of the Lenten season, or if not, then on every Lenten Friday. These inspired words of repentance and conversion and hope and longing for heaven and joy and trust in God's divine mercy shape not only our lips, but they, they shape our hearts and form our souls. They teach us how to repent and how to be renewed in our repentance. Christ is calling us to repentance. When he calls out to his heavenly Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's not asking that they simply be exonerated that what they do be ignored, but that they genuinely be forgiven. In a very direct, limited sense, the only people who could be described as acting innocently would be a Roman centurion if he hadn't been acting like a barbarian and ridiculing and mocking and denigrating the condemned. At the very best, they might have thought that they were carrying out a just punishment. They didn't know who this was. They didn't know what he'd been accused of doing. They didn't see the evidence. In the same way that the good thief will acknowledge, we are being punished for what we've done. This is what we deserve. It might have been a just execution for all they knew. We don't know the disposition of St. Longinus before these terrible events, but we know they converted his heart. and made him a believer and declared, truly, this man is the Son of God. And as much as that simple historical reflection that moves our heart, they're driving nails into his hands, his wrists, 
and to his feet. He's crying out, Father, forgive them. They know exactly what they're doing. They're doing it with precision. They've practiced this. They're actually good at inflicting this punishment on people. They don't know that they're executing an innocent man. They don't know that this really is the second person of the Holy Trinity in the Incarnation, Jesus Christ, their Lord and God, the one whose blood will redeem them from all their sins. They don't know that. There are those who know that this man is innocent. Pontius Pilate tried to wash his hands of the affair. But water doesn't wash away his culpability. The chief priests riled up the crowd to shout, crucify him, crucify him. In their defense, they regarded him a blasphemer. They had the insight to know that he claimed to be equal to God the Father. Their guilt lies in their hearts being so hard that they do not recognize goodness. They don't recognize the acts of God. They don't realize that this is the second person of the Holy Trinity. They don't know that this is their Lord and Savior, the one whose blood will redeem them from all their sins. And Christ begs for forgiveness for all of us. We know our sins. We know who he is. We know when we disobey him. We know when we betray him. We know when we ignore him. But do we understand the, the eternal consequences of that? Do we realize how much we will regret that once our repentance has begun? Our Lord and Savior wants all of us to know him, to believe in him, to repent of our sins, and to receive forgiveness from God the Father. This is the same Lord whose mother at the visitation acknowledged how the Lord lifts up the lowly and casts down the mighty from their thrones. That holy prayer will still be in the heart of our sacred Lord. Those who do not repent will be lost. Father, bring them all to repentance. And let my suffering pay the price that they may come back to us and live.